Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, you are holy and you are worthy of our praise in this place tonight. We exalt you. We magnify you. We adore you with all of our hearts. And we look to you now, Lord, I thank you for the unction of the Holy Ghost. I know that without you, we can do nothing, but with you, we can do all things. So I lean into your grace, your power, your ability, and your strength right now to deliver your precious word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're good to see, good to see. We're good. You look good and I'm glad to see you. We'll say it that way. How about that? So y'all may go ahead and be seated, be Be seated. (laughs) Now you can see why I said I'm leaning in to the Holy Ghost. Amen. (laughs) I'm good. I'm healed. I'm whole. We went down to see our sweet little grandkids last week and, uh, Little Lucy was dealing with cold symptoms. And you know, when a kid has a cold, like Pastor was saying, everything goes in their mouth. But also, they don't care. They want to give Grammy kisses. And Grammy doesn't want to go, no, no, no. So I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. That's why I wasn't here Wednesday night. But I am healed. I am whole. I'm sounding way, way better. And I'm not fuzzy and I'm not foggy. How about that? So we're going to deliver the word in strength, power, and the anointing tonight. All righty. So it's been, it wasn't in uh, order last Sunday night, precious Pastor Nancy shared for me because it was my birthday weekend. But a few weeks ago, we started our series on Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, we looked at John chapter 15, verse 7. We don't need to look there again tonight, but that's kind of our foundational scripture for this whole series. It says, if you abide in me, And my word abides in you. You will ask what you will and it shall be done. Can I get a witness? So we established that when the Lord said, when his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Some of the main principles is prayer, powerful prayer stems from a divine abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, hooked up with him in all our days, in all of our ways, and having his word have deep root in our hearts. Because we know if we want to see our prayers answered, how many of you want your prayers to be answered? They need to be based on the word of God. So it's imperative that we find a scripture that covers our case when we are bringing a petition before him. Amen. So we can't go back and rehearse all of that. I encourage you to get the CDs or to listen online. But as I was thinking about tonight and, you know, other elements that go along with Lord teach us to pray, it just came up really strong in my heart that tonight we needed to talk about love. And this morning I said that Pastor Mark was going to sing that song for you. What's love got to do with it? I do not know the words. I know that Tina Turner, right, is the one who made that song famous and what a soul sister that she was. And it's a good, it's a good song, but it's a good title. It's not a good song. Oh, X scratch delete. You can tell how much I know. Oh, it's not a good song. 
Let's rewind and back up. You can tell I don't really know the words. I like the title, though. So when it comes, okay, we'll start over. Not a good song. Nice lady, not a good song. Anyhow, when it comes to my title tonight, though, it's a good title for a sermon. What's love got to do with it? Well, the answer is everything. Can we just stay in the Holy Ghost, please? Let's get back in the spirit. Everything. When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to our prayer life, what's love got to do with it? Everything. When it comes to becoming a Christian, what's love got to do with it? Everything. Probably the most famous scripture in the Bible that people all over the world can quote is John 3, 16. So we want to look at that tonight. And and we also want to look at verse 17. For God so loved, read it with me. For God so what? He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then let's look at verse 17 right along with that. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So what motivated God to send Jesus? For God so loved the world. What motivated Jesus to come? He loved us. And you know, I was looking at this passage of scripture, John 3, 16 and 17, out of the message translation the other day. And I thought this was great. So let's look at it in the message translation. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. That is why, so that no one need be destroyed, but believing in him, Anyone can have a whole and satisfying life. Now, verse 17, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help. Woo, that's exciting right there. To put the world right again. So why did Jesus come? He came to help. Love compelled our Lord Jesus to act. It was love. You may have heard this. It wasn't nails that held him to the cross. It was his love for you and for me. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't because he loved us. And he was acting out that love. And you think about even in his earthly ministry, if you read in the Gospels, there's one example we'll look at tonight in Matthew 14, 14. It it just gives us numerous accounts of saying Jesus was moved with compassion. Matthew 14, 14 says, And when 
Jesus went out. He saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. So when Jesus saw hurting, dying, sighing humanity, he acted. He moved. He was moved to do something. Aren't you glad that when Jesus looked down on the world that his father had created and he looked down on mankind and saw them in an awful state, lost without a savior. Aren't you glad that he didn't say, well, you human beings, you got yourself into this mess. Adam and Eve sinned. So, you know, it's not really my fault and there's nothing I can do about it. Love you. Be praying for you. Figure it out the best you can. No. He acted. Compassion is love with the urge, the desire to help. And that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. God is love. And it is never ever his will that people suffer and die and are tormented by the enemy. It's never ever his will that people that hate rules and dominates in people's hearts. You know, the devil stirs up all of this division, all these riotings and all of this stuff. That doesn't come from God. It comes from the father of this world, the God of this world, Satan. He blinds people's minds. He deceives people into thinking this group of people doesn't like you. They think they're better than you and all of this garbage. And I know these things are real. These issues are real. But hate will never solve it. And why do people act out like this? They're being ruled by their emotions and they're being ruled by their flesh. Would you agree that Jesus is the answer for the world today? And the only way to solve these issues is for people to come into contact with the love of God. The love of God will change a heart The love of God will change people's perspective about another group of people. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts. It's not shed abroad in our emotions, but it affects our emotions. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 tells us this. Hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad where? In our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God is in our hearts. It's not in our heads. And pastor just said, live out of your heart. Is that always easy to do? No, it's not. There's many times that we want to give people a piece of our mind. Yeah. And every time I'm tempted to do that, I hear this little voice on the inside of me because I heard this years ago. No, you need every piece that you have. Don't give it away. Keep that mind. Keep all of the mind. We got the mind of Christ and don't be giving pieces of your mind away because you're angry. 
the love of God on the inside of us will compel us like it compelled Jesus to reach out to people. And we're talking about prayer tonight. Effective prayer is prayed out of our head, out of our hearts, not out of our heads. The head, your head and my head, our emotions, our senses will tell us why people don't deserve mercy. Oh, your head will see things that are going on. Your eyes will perceive what they're, how they're living and how they're acting. And this thing will come up. They're never going to change. Don't waste your time praying for them. You know, they've really been pretty bad. They got a lot of issues. Maybe they deserve, deserve a little bad stuff. Maybe they deserve to hurt really bad. That's not God's attitude. Aren't you glad that it is? Isn't? If, if we're praying out of a heart of love, we will be concerned about people. It won't be this critical, judgmental attitude. You know, when you're praying for the lost, sometimes it's easy. Again, if you see what they're doing, how they're acting, you see this group of people, you see all of this stuff that's going on in the world, and you just start going, my, 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 they deserve to go to hell. But nobody deserves to go to hell. Jesus is not willing that any should perish. Unless we get high-minded in our thinking and we get puffed up in spiritual pride, just remember where some of you, not me, I was always a good girl, but you know, some remember where some of you came from. No, we all, all of us, if it was on our own merits, every single one of us could never, ever earn the right to go to heaven. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace and mercy. So great a love that he had for us. And it's not just for us. What did we just read in John three sixteen? For God so loved. Who did he love? The goody two-shoes? No, he loved the world. So it's the mercy of God extended to us. And when we get a revelation of his grace, his mercy, so great a love wherewith we have been loved, it will compel us to cry out for mercy for other people. We don't want them to receive judgment. We want them to receive mercy. And the love of God, it motivates us to pray for those that are hurting and those that are oppressed. We have to care about people. I'm not saying we have to carry a care. We don't carry the care, the weight of all the stuff they might be doing. We can't save them, but we can love them and we can care about them and we can allow the love of God on the inside of us to flow out of us. In acts of kindness, in word, in deed. And tonight we're talking about through prayer. Through prayer, we are willing to pray for other people. Don't you love this scripture in John 15, 13? Jesus said this. Greater love 
hath no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus literally laid down his life for us. And this is not saying that you and I literally have to die for people like Jesus did. But it's talking about laying aside your agenda. Maybe changing your schedule to be available to help somebody. Perhaps giving up a meal and fasting and praying for someone. Maybe even losing some sleep. You know, we love our sleep. I love my sleep. Do you love your sleep? And it's a good thing. But you know, at nighttime, many times when I go to bed, I'm like, Lord, if you need me to pray for somebody tonight, I'm available. Just tap me on the shoulder. Wake me up. You know, you, sometimes you wake up during the night and you're like, oh man, why am I like frustrated about this, frustrated about that? Sometimes it might be your little heart saying, you know what? Justin really needs prayer. (laughs) The Holy Ghost wants to use us. And when we make ourselves available, when we say, hear my Lord, I will lay down my life for my friends. I'll lose some sleep. I'll get up and pray. I'll get up a little earlier. I'll come to Sunday night church and offer my supply. That's why you're here tonight. Because that is what love has to do with it. Love motivates us to think about other people. To be willing to lay aside our own agenda. So y'all get gold stars for coming tonight. If I was a Holy Ghost, I'd give y'all a little big check by your name and say, Woo, you're good. You did good. And it is a good thing. But with the love of God in our hearts, guess what? We can pray effectively. We can pray even for those that are unlovable. We can bring hope to the hopeless. We can minister healing to the hurting. What is our vision here at Heart of the Bay? Reaching the lost. Healing the hurting. And maturing the believer. We do this certainly by preaching the word. But we do it through offering up our prayer. On behalf of other people. And I can tell you all are super excited about that. But you are right. It is a joy. And it is a privilege. To be able to pray. For other people. And to know That God hears and God answers our prayers. And let me let you in on another little secret. If we will lay down our life to pray for somebody else when they're going through a difficult situation. Maybe we're aware of it and maybe it's just something that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention. But if we will do that, guess what? You're way up here. On God being able to tag somebody else when you need prayer. I've known people that have gone through difficult situations. And I've also known that they were people of prayer. People that are close friends of mine. And I've hugged them and I've said to them many times. Lean back in the arms of Jesus and the prayers of the saints. Just like I know that you have faithfully prayed for me 
and you've prayed for other people, now is your time to be on the receiving end. God honors it. Isn't he the one that instituted the law of giving and receiving, sowing and reaping? Guess what? You sow somebody, sow love to somebody just by being nice. There's a revelation. We're Christians. How about that? How about we just be nice? Sowing kindness, sowing love. Then guess what? You can say, okay, I planted this seed of love. Now, Lord, I just, I just need to be encouraged today. I just need somebody to show me some love and some kindness. You got something to draw on. Give and it shall be given. And it is the same with prayer. Anybody in here ever needed prayer? Of course, we've all needed. See, I knew you needed a lot of prayer. He raised both hands. We've all needed prayer at one time or another. So it's a good thing to get out beyond what we need. This is something where a lot of people have tons of trouble with this. Because everything in their life is centered around me, myself, and I. Bless me, my wife, my sons, us four, and no more. But that is not, that's not the gospel. That's not how we are to live. So when we start thinking about, okay, Lord, I want to have a loving heart. I want your power to flow freely through me to other people. And sometimes we have to look down here. Pastor said a while ago, live out of your heart. We have to look on the inside and we have to say, hmm, is there anything in my heart that could be clogging up the flow of power that's coming out of me. You know, Brother Copeland, many years ago, he had this vision, and I, I can't improve on it. It was so awesome. He, he's praying, and the Lord showed him this, like, this great big pipe, and it was connected to heaven, and the, the power of God, like water, was flowing into this pipe. But down at the end of it, a little spurt was coming out. He said, Lord, what is that? And he said, it's your pipe. (laughs) It's your heart. He said, you're praying, you're waiting on me and all this power is flowing into you, but you've got heart clutter. You've got some things in your pipe that are clogging up the outflow. You know, one of the biggest things that can clog up the outflow from our life is strife, strife envy, jealousy, bitterness, all of these things can clog up the flow of power that comes out of us even in our prayer life. We want our prayers to be effectual, fervent, producing power, dynamic, and it's working. So we don't want any heart clutter in there, right? I know you're going to be super duper excited about this part of the message. So before we get into pray, we want to take a little bit of a love gauge just to see where we're at because it does affect how we pray for people. So you know the best love gauge is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And we are going to read verse 4 through 8 out of the Amplified. If you've been tempted to get out of the love walk and maybe you said or done something even today, just keep looking straight ahead and smiling and nobody will know. Just keep looking lovely and we won't know that you were ugly today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4. Love endures long. It's patient and it's kind. Love, we're talking about now the God kind of love. Y'all got that, right? We're not talking about natural human love because it would have already missed the mark. We're talking about God's love, the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. It's patient. It's kind. Love is never envious. It never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly. Does not act unbecomingly. Love. God's love in us. This is a big one. Does not insist on its own right or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You know, there's a lot of people, and I actually have to confess that this was a big deal for me, that are world champion accountants. I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm not that good with numbers, but I certainly knew how to keep account of any evil or bad things or wrong words that were spoken to me and just kind of make a mental note. Okay, they said this. They did that. I'm taking account. The next time they walk past me, I shall ignore them. Is that the love of God? Now, if I ignored any of you today, it's not because I took account of anything. It's just hard to shake, you know, 400 hands at once. Keep smiling. Nobody in here. This is way, way, way long ago. Has anybody else ever done that? And you think, okay, yeah. Or you might be saying, okay, I know I got to forgive. I have forgiven them, but I'm not ready to forget it. So I have to keep it in my little accounting book just a little bit longer. And the worst people we can do this to is our family, those closest to us. I will have to say this about my husband. And I said, I don't know if it was because you grew up going to a confessional or you went through treatment or whatever, but he is so quick, so quick to confess you know, if he's hurt me or, you know, let's confess it, let's get over it. And I was more like, uh, I'm going to hang on to this for a while. We have a spare bed in the other bedroom. No, we got to be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to believe God. Not always easy, but that's what the love of God on the inside of us compels us to do. Did that hurt too much? Let's keep reading. I'm feeling 
Yeah, you are. I'm, I'm making a case of how good you are at repenting, I'm telling you. And you know what? On a side note, if you are married to somebody that is so quick to repent, it's easy for you to say, yeah, it was your fault. You know, you're just the good repenter, so I, yeah, I'm always right. And that can be a trap, too. We can't just because somebody else is maybe a little more spiritually mature and they're willing to say, I was wrong to have peace in the family. That doesn't excuse you. You got to get to the point where you're like, no, it really was not your fault. It was moi. You know, we just saw Miss Piggy down there, the Muppets, moi. My fault. Be willing to admit it, quit it, forgive. Quick to forgive. You know, you don't want your pipe cluttered up, do you? You want pure power flowing out of our lives. So verse 6 now, we'll keep on reading. You can handle a little more. I know you can. Y'all are strong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It's hopes. Whoa, I heard an oh my on that one. Have you ever had a challenge with that? Well, you think you know what they were thinking. I know why they did that. I know why they said that. No, you don't. Love believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. And then this is so awesome. Love never fails. Say that part with me. Love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed, cease. And as for knowledge, it shall pass away. But the point is love will never pass away and love will never fail. So this is our love gauge. It applies obviously to our Christian walk, how we live our, and conduct ourselves. But as I was studying this week, you know, I don't think I've ever read that in conjunction with prayer. But I started seeing how this love of God in this description here affects the way that we pray. Let's say, for example, that you are praying for somebody that needs a car. The Lord blesses them. And when he does, they get this beautiful car and something rises up on the inside of you. Hmm, their car's nicer than mine. You know, when I was believing for a car, I wasn't thinking they'd get a better one than mine. You know what that is? Love is not jealous. Love is not envious. Or this one, you're praying for somebody that needs healing and maybe they're a kind of a baby christian and the healing manifests instantly and this thought comes hmm i've been christian a lot longer than they have and i still got this little pain right here in my back how come them to get healed instantly and i gotta keep dealing with this arthritis brother oh 
It's riotous, brother. How come? You know what that is? Pride. Love of God is not haughty. Doesn't think higher of ourselves than we ought to think. Or how about this one? Love does not rejoice at an injustice. And here we are. We're praying for somebody that's just been living like the devil. And something bad happens to him. And this little gnawing thought says, hmm, there is a God. There is justice in this world. No, the love of God does not rejoice at an injustice. We should never be glad if somebody is in hurt or in pain or in a rough situation. How about this one? The love of God never fails. You know, the love of God is not a weak thing. It does not give up. Maybe you're in a battle right now. You're praying for a family member, a, a teenager, Or a young adult, Jesus, help you. And he will. But the love of God never fails. The love of God gives us that hope and that strength to keep praying, to keep believing, to keep reaching out to them. Now, if they're living in your house, of course, you got to set boundaries and all of that stuff. But the Bible does say the love of God never fails. You can, with your prayers and your actions, and it will require tough love. I'm not talking about letting them just do whatever they want to do. I'm not talking about that. If they come home with blue hair and tats all over them and you got a rule, well, you, you got to deal with this. No, that's not happening in our house. But the love of God on the inside of us will cause you to be steady and unmovable. Love is not weak. People have that idea. Oh, I just have to be a doormat because I'm a Christian. Absolutely not. The love of God is strong. It is stronger than any force of hate. Any force of offense, it is stronger than any rebellion that might be trying to come on your kids. It's stronger than any deceiving lies of the devil that attacks family members and brings division into the family. The love of God is stronger than that. And you know what the love of God will do? The love of God will love the hell right out of them. Yes, I did say that. It will. Because no matter how ugly they might be getting or how rebellious, if you just hold your ground and you contend for them in the realm of the spirit and you say, you know what? I'm not letting go of you. You may want to go to hell, but I'm not letting you. I'm loving the hell out of you and you're going to heaven. Amen. That's the love of God. It's strong. It's forceful. It is a force to be reckoned with. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. It held Jesus to the cross. And it'll hold you steady in the storms of life and the things that you're dealing with with your family. Don't let go. Love never fails. And this love on the inside of us, one last scripture, it does something else. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, out of the Amplified. For the love of God, what does it do? It controls, it urges, and it impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. These words stand out to me. The love of God controls, urges, impels us. One translation says the love of God compels us. When we let the love of God rule and reign in our hearts, we will be amazed at the way we start seeing people and how we're led to pray. The unction and the help of the Holy Ghost that gives us utterance. When we start saying, Lord, give me eyes to see. I don't want to see these people as a nuisance. I don't want to see these people as just in my way at at work and all of this stuff. Lord, let me see how you see these people. I want to be compelled. I want to be controlled. I want to be motivated by the love of God. Being motivated by the love for Jesus, love for the lost, and love for the hurting humanity around us. You know what it'll do? It'll take us places in prayer we've never dreamed of without ever leaving our home. The love of God will rise up on the inside of us and it will send us to minister to people. Many times... After you've been on your knees, you've been praying for somebody, you might get this little prompting. Give them a phone call. Go visit them. Go make them a meal. Love compels us to act. And I just sense in my spirit here at Heart of the Bay that God is looking. He's looking for group of people that will say, here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Just like you stretched out your hands and said, I love you this much. He's looking for people that will stretch. Just stretch on the inside and stretch your capacity to love people. We're busy. We're so busy. Our lives are so full that it's oftentimes hard to even think about anybody else. But the love of God. Oh, the love of God. He's doing a work in our hearts tonight. Open our eyes, Lord. Let us see as you see. 
when you looked out on the multitudes, those that you, you cried, you wept, you said they're scattered as sheep that have no shepherd. You were moved by the, and you felt their agony. You were moved to heal. You were moved to deliver people that were bound by the devil. You were even moved to feed people the hungry. Lord, we yield ourselves tonight. Just pray with me. We yield ourselves tonight, Lord, to be your hand extended. How many of you will just say, Lord Jesus, I yield myself to you. Holy Spirit, I'm available. I'm available to pray. I'm available to minister however you want to use me. And I'm available to pray. Aren't you thankful that we have this precious Holy Spirit, our heavenly helper? And he's here tonight. He's going to give us utterance to pray. Hallelujah. So you know what I like to do? I just, I just think there's such value in it. I like it when we all can just come forward and just kneel our hearts before him. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us that unction that we need tonight. And we're going to start out, you know, the greatest group, I think, that needs prayer in our world are the lost. Do you know anybody that doesn't know Jesus? probably saw hundreds of them if you drove on the freeway tonight that don't know the Lord. These people need prayer. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors. Hallelujah. I love our church. I love the spirit of our church and what's happening here. And I'm always thankful and grateful when people respond to the altar call. But to be honest, I really believe there's been a wall of people receiving Jesus here at church. Thank God for Brother Tony and Rachel that go out on the streets and the team. Thank the Lord they go out on the streets and lead hundreds of people to the Lord. And we don't minimize that. But we need to see people coming to our altars here. And that doesn't just happen. Prayer has to precede any kind of revival. Prayer has to precede a move of God. And prayer prepares people's hearts to receive the word. But like the scripture we just read, the love of God compels us. And when we pray for the lost, you know what begins to happen? We start having a love for the lost. And we start inviting people to church. We stop and just take a little bit of time and say, oh, I wonder if that person knows the Lord. It's so easy. I think we forget that people are hungry. People are desperate. 
for the truth.